Footy Live's Preview Palooza is brought to you by Simmons Homes. Every day across Australia, it's tools up for Team Simmons because their people stand by their promise to start building your new home on time and on budget. So if you're ready to join the hundreds of Australians they're welcoming home each month, talk to Simmons, the great Australian builder. Hello and welcome to Sportsmates Footy Live Preview Palooza. I'm your host, Jimmy Zabo, and this 2022 pre-season, we're going to take a look at each team in anticipation for the start of the season with special super fans from around the country. Make sure you hashtag Footy Live on your socials, get involved in the chat, and download Sportsmates suite of apps to stay up to date with your favourite sports. Today, we are taking a look at the Western Bulldogs with Matt and Nick from the Salty Bulldog Pod- Podcast. Welcome, boys. How are we? Well, thank you, James. Thanks for having us. It's uh, great to be back again. Looking forward to this. Yes, fantastic stuff. This is now the, uh, what is it, our second episode with you guys. So it very is. much looking forward to it. And uh, if it goes just as well as the first, you know, we're on track for a very, very strong year, both on and off the field. That's right. No, it was a good, it was good to chat to you last year. It was October, so the wounds were fresh. They were still fresh. And They're still quite added. fresh, I'll tell you. Uh, are They're they still? still I was going to ask that. But 40,000 members this morning announced, so that's a good little milestone. So does that uh, ease the pain a little bit? Now we can start thinking about this year in a bit of positivity. That's yeah, probably think, the right way to put it, I think, too. Yeah, I'd say the. I think the, I don't think the wounds will truly heal over until we we get one over the the demons, especially right. if it's in a, in a really important match. But I think you know we. I think very little has changed in, in what I said last year, and that mm. it's been easier to stomach, um, given the fact <laughs> that it was it was a big margin, and um, you know there were it wasn't. Like a, it wasn't, you know, one of those sort of close grand finals where a, a 50-50 either way can make the difference. So I think I think we we think we've accepted that Melbourne were just the better side last year, and we gave as good as we got, but it, but it just wasn't enough. So I think that's made it. A, I think all of those factors combined have made it a little bit easier. But yeah, we're we're looking to go one better this year. That's yeah, I don't sure. think I don't think Nick's ever going to get over it though. Do you yeah, ever no, get I'm over a grand burning. final loss? I'm still burning on the inside. I tell you, just, I don't know what Matt's going on about right there. I'm just taking it as it is. No, no, not not a hope here. Actually, I'm still wondering what on earth happened. I know at halftime you look like you won it at halftime. Yeah, it's hard to put into words. Genuinely, it's just uh, bring out the punching bag. That's all I can say. Just vent out all the frustration. That's all it is. That's all right. I mean, all up, it was a decent season. It's 19 weeks you spent first or second, and then you know at the end of the season you lost three games, which you know you were saying you probably did on purpose because you like to win it from outside the top four. (laughs) Uh, You finished fifth, but I mean, it it was. Like there's so many positive signs. I mean, Bont and Pally, he was unlucky not to win the Brownlow Medal. Bailey Smith became a cult hero. There were so many positives to take out of it. Um, a grand final aside, you happy all, all up with what happened last year? Well, we sat down at the at the start of last season and and we sort of set out our expectations coming off two seasons where we finished in the finals and mm. and, and lost in the first week. So we sort of said. You know, on the periphery of the top four, but the minimum has to be winning a final. So to win yeah. three and to and to have the lead, you know, halfway through a grand final, uh, regardless of the result, that's got to be a massive tick. Suppose I, I translate my frustrations. Nick's got his over the grand final. I trans mm-hmm. I transfer mine to Bont and Pelly specifically. Yeah. I mean, in terms of in terms of Bulldogs icons, it's he he was that close to being in such uncharted territory. He was one game off a Brownlow medal. Mm-hmm. He was a quarter and a half away from a, being a premiership captain. Yep. And, you know, he was probably a quarter and a half away from winning a Norm Smith medal as well. Mm-hmm. So it was it was all set up for, for a Dustin Martin-like season for the Bond. 
and it was just so close. And I think that's what hurts me more than anything else. That the bowler who I think is the best who's ever played for the club was that close to to achieving the clean sweep. And it's such a rare feat. Ever ever played close. for the club? Did you I reckon, said you, yeah. I reckon he's number one. I think mm-hmm. Nick agrees to an extent. I think Nick said I'm probably about last three week. quarters of the way there. Nick, I just Nick's, want a little bit more longevity, I think it is, because we yeah. still hold the higher at the previous heroes and such, you know, high esteem. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in terms of what did I say to you, man, in terms you, of this modern era, what was it? He's the best now or such? Or the best said, eight years? That he's you had. said if we're if we're judging players over their first 150 games for the mm-hmm. club, mm-hmm. That he's a clear number one. They were yep. they were Nick's exact That's word. But one. I'm I'm willing to go a step further and say even even comparing him to players like who have played out their full career and have managed 300 plus games i've got him i've got him number one. Oh well, well maybe by the end of the season nick will change his tune and, and, yeah, and almost have him number there. one yeah almost, almost there. three quarters still, away like i've said. only probably got a couple couple players of course most lucky being uh of course johnson grants and i don't know what it is but for some reason i just keep going on a lot and matt knows about this too about uh, kelvin templeton i've probably got him down there as well in, in oh. the top five vicinity so there you go Ridiculous, yeah. ridiculous numbers. Oh, yeah. In terms of his 150, first 150 games, my God, uh, spectacular. But set, that's for another time. Mm-hmm. No, we'll, we'll touch on that another time. We'll be speaking to you throughout the year, so don't worry. We'll have time to talk about Templeton. Um, <laughs> the ins and outs, let's go through them quickly. So the outs, does, do any of them, did any of them surprise you? Were you disappointed? Kavara delisted, Hayes delisted, Ling Jong was a sad, a sad story. Couldn't get the best out of himself, obviously, with the injuries. Lipinski, maybe it was Tom Easton Wood and, uh, and Lewis Young. Uh, can you tell me, uh, Maddie, about the, um, about the outs and, and your thoughts on them? So the Hayes and Kavara ones weren't much of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, Kavara I was a big fan of and I thought was excellent in the VFL last season and deserved more than the one quarter of football he got at senior level. Yeah, um, And I was really wrapped for, for Will Hayes to get an opportunity and, and played some good games and, and played some really important roles. But 11 games in, was it uh, three seasons? Um I think just sort of, I think gives you an idea. And, and the fact that he was a midfielder as well, it's hard enough getting a game at the best of times, but especially with our stack midfielder, those two were understandable. Mm-hmm. The Lipinski one was was understandable as well to a point, a better, probably a better player than Kavara, but still as a, as a midfielder in that, in that particular group, hard to get a game. You've got to be probably B, B plus grade just to get a look in. The Eastern Wooden and Lewis Young by play surprised me a little bit. So, mm-hmm. Lewis Young left due to you know the lack of opportunity in terms of getting uh, uh, getting an opportunity in the defence. I do wonder whether he would have been so committed to leaving clubs and whether the Bulldogs would have been so um, so willing to let him go had they known about Easton Wood mm. uh, retiring. So Wood retired well after all the trade and draft period yeah. had done. If he had retired, say a couple of days after the grand final, whether Lewis Young would still be there, I'm not sure. Yeah. So that one I found a little bit interesting when it was all said and done. But at the time, I, I understood Young leaving, even though we were gutted about it. And then, as you said, Lin Jong as well, it was just such a such a sad situation. Yeah. Um, a very good player and could play a variety of different roles, but could just not get things going with his body. Just such mm-hmm. a shame. Hey, Nico, I'll ask you about... Uh, the ends because there's some excitement there. I mean, the biggest one obviously is Sam Darcy, but he's going to miss half of the year, I believe, with the with the injury. Um, tell me about him, but also also Arthur Jones, who I thought was good in the uh, in the practice match from what I saw. Uh, are you are you excited about those two in particular? I think so. Probably 
for me, probably more to do with Arthur Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, a position that we've always been looking for is that type of small forward or that little hybrid creative character. And it's, you know, we've got the likes of Cody Whiteman in that regard there too, but he's still, he's more of a, you know, he's become more of a marking type target in that in that way. Mm. You know, like a Jamie Elliott, that's what he was likened to back in the, in his respective draft year. But uh, no, Arthur Jones, I I think it definitely is a position that we do need. And we've tried to fill that void with Latham Vanderbilt. And he did all right. He was pretty happy with his season yeah. last year. He's had some important moments, no doubt. But having that, those attributes of creativity, a bit of, um, how could I say, it's sort of more instincts, which is something that mm-hmm. what we probably do need up in the front half where they're up. It's not only just pressure play, but there are things that they just know what to do in certain moments that happen within games. And he probably seems to be the most likely of those types. And I've, I've probably even mentioned uh, per se, even Don Bedendo, a bit more of a you know, third, fourth tall type in that, in that manner. But again, they've got different levels of flair that suggests that they have certain attributes that can probably be a bit more useful for what we need. In that front, in that front half, you know whether they can overtake, say, maybe a Mitch Hannon down the track come the end of the season, mm. uh, and use their attributes to to assist us. Uh, Sam yeah. Darcy, it's a bit it's sure. disappointing that he will miss for a you know mm. for a length or for a lengthy stretch of time there. But you know, I think we're all going to be pretty patient with him anyhow. And it is disappointing more on a father son aspect, but. Mm. I don't know. We're pretty well stocked with key position players too. So if he if he's end up playing, you know, one or two, even three games towards the back end of the season, not expecting him to, but if he is able to, sort of like how Jamara was last year, I think that's already you know a, a fantastic season for him to be able to even get on the park to show what he can do. Yeah, and I watched last week the uh, the the, the Pracky match against the Dons. You lost to the Dons, so you'd be filthy about that. Of course, it has so much riding on the season. <laughs> I liked Ed Richards though. Ed Richards showed a lot, and it looked like he wants to prove a point. Is that was that just me or did you did you did you gather that as well? He's been a, a beverage favorite for, for quite a while now. Yeah. So he made his debut round two, 2018, in his mm. first season and played pretty much every game for the, the following two years, was there in the final against um the Giants in 2019, played in the final against uh, St Kilda in 2020. But he started the season out of the start of 2021 out of the seniors and mm. suffered an injury and he was spent a lot of time probably two months on the sidelines and came back and struggled for form trying to trying to get back to to match fitness so i think there really is a point to prove what he's got in his favor though is the fact that he is a regular under beverage when when fit mm-hmm. he's got those sort of traits that beverage does like in a player but now it's about taking the game to to the next level and we were waiting for that during 2020 never really came 2021, we can excuse a bit. And there were a couple of clubs that were keen on him as well. Uh, I believe Brisbane might have been interested in him and maybe mm. one other club that's... North uh, Melbourne. North Melbourne. We know so, Collingwood even liked him too a couple of years back as well, not just even in his draft year. But no, you're right too. He's got a position that's not up for grabs, but again, his attributes or his skill set says that there is a massive point of difference in, uh, with him, isn't there, Matt? And it's probably he's probably played in his natural position, his preferred position against Essendon last week off the half-back flank. Mm. And there, it is, it's not exactly an easy back line to get into. You've got Caleb Daniel down there, who's the best and fairest winner in all Australian. Bally Williams, who's improved out of sight. Uh, they've gone and recruited Tim O'Brien from, from Hawthorne. He's not a genuine back flanker, but it's another mm. spot down there. You've got Taylor Jure. And now Bailey Dale's down there in the back line. 
So there's a lot of competition for spots there. So if Richards really wants to make that spot his own, he does have to uh, prove a point this year. But as you say, started off on the right foot. He was very good against Essendon. Yeah, I thought I loved his pace as well off the halfback flank. And his position with his kicking was good as well. I thought that was impressive. Someone who didn't impress me a lot, though, was Jamara Eagle Hagen. Now, and there's been a lot of crit- He's going to cop it no matter what. And I think he, he was he was a big story, obviously, because he didn't. He's he number one pick, so there's a pressure that comes with that. But then he wasn't played because Beveridge wanted to wait till he was ready. Then he came, and then there was the expectation, and then it's like, oh, this is his breakout year, and he had a bad practice match. Well, he didn't do too much, and the pressure's on. What do you guys think about him? I've got I've been a big fan of Jamara over the yeah. last 12 months. What, I, what I'll say with Jamara, because there are a lot of questions about why he wasn't playing. Yeah. Um, and it's and there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a lot of reasons why. And when you, when you factor them all in, it kind of paints a pretty clear picture as to, to what was going on. So no football in 2020 due, mm-hmm. to, due to lockdown. Uh, he suffered two separate injuries in the VFL. Uh, there were also two separate lockdowns in Victoria last year, which disrupted the VFL season, which were either yeah. side of the bye. Um, so he played very little game time. And even when he was in the side, his competition were both in the top 10 in the Coleman medal in a side that was top two on the ladder. So it was very difficult mm-hmm. for him to get an opportunity. And anyone who's been following the game for, for as long as the three of us have will know that with key forwards, you're in it for the long haul. It's yeah. not necessarily about what they're doing when they're 19 or 20. It's what they're doing when they're 24, 25, yeah. 26. Yeah. So they are playing it for the long game. So the fact that he's struggling a bit now is understandable. Of course, being the number one draft pick, that pressure and expectation is going to come. But same with same with Sam Darcy as Nick said. I would stress mm. patience with Bulldogs fans. It's mm. not the end of the world that at nineteen and twenty, and he's struggling to get a kick as a key forward. Yeah, I think even Josh Dunkley alluded to that. Uh, apparently, Jamara. Um, I don't know how recent, but within at least this year, that uh, he did actually catch COVID. So you know that would, of course, no doubt affect you know his aerobic capacity in different regards and and such. That too, we know that he struggled about to uh, to run out games last year, and that's mm. not the ideal way to start off a practice match, too, isn't it? Um, you know, still suffering from bouts of COVID as well. There, so <clears throat> there is a position for him, no doubt. You know, as a full forward, I still think Norton's going to play centre half uh, for this season. You know, with the with the absence of Bruce. Yes, yeah, yeah. and he'll be playing everywhere probably anyhow still. But um, what can we say with that? Bruce uh, Bruce will probably have to give him a few more pointers, I think, of course, for, for Jamara there. But it's it's a lot of responsibility, as we all you know can understand, for a second-year key forward. And it's not going to be on him to pick up the slack. You know, it's on him to try to fit into a um, a well-drilled you know mechanism. Mm-hmm. If he's able to fit himself into those, make himself an important piece of that puzzle, I think that's job done for a second year forward. And then, you know, you'll probably start to see, you know, fourth year onwards that he starts to become a focal point. You know, we've still only got Norton, who's what, 22, 23? 22, yeah. Yeah, 22. You've got Jamara, who's 19 or so. Both important cogs going forward, you know, still in a relative similar age bracket, you know, so they're both obviously young enough to be able to, to be partners in crime for, you know, the length of a decade or such in, in that manner. So that's probably what we've got to more focus on. And then you throw mm-hmm. in Sam Darcy too, who can play, you know, up and back or wherever it is probably, you know, for us tall players will play on the wing or wherever we throw them. But it's some of that, as Matt mentioned there, stress the patience, the rewards will come later and, you know, it'll be, it'll be some pretty big benefits 
Yeah, and Norton looked really good as well, I thought. And like you said, he's only 22. I mean, he seems like more of a mature mature footballer. And last year, I think only Tom Hawkins took more marks inside 50 than Aaron Norton. Um, great great overhead, and he, and he played the big moments. I still remember the Richmond game where he tore us apart. He kicked 47 goals last year. What would a pass mark be for Aaron Norton, you reckon? Give me a number, both of you. Well, I, I would think every player would want to improve on their previous season, so mm-hmm. I'd say... 50 would be a nice round number. If he could get to 50, he'd be the first key forward to do that for the Bulldogs since Barry Hall mm. in, in 2011. So we're going back a, a little while. Yeah. We thought we were um, going to have two, weren't we? Reach the 50 marker, then just uh, injuries. We, we did. And the injuries yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 um, what, what's worth noting, though, is that there's going to be a lot more attention on Norton because there's no Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, so not only have you got to find the, the goals to replace Bruce, you've probably got to find numbers to... To, to replace Norton to an extent as well. Yeah. Um, whether we believe Jamara needs more time or not, the fact is that there is no Bruce, so he's he's next in line, as, as it were. You've got a couple of other options. Josh Shackey is a really interesting prospect. He played on mm-hmm. Peter Wright in the back line in the practice match, uh, played pretty well. Don't think Wright hit the scoreboard, but I'll be really interested to see what they do with a, with a more mature, uh, if not a, a more physical um, uh, frame in, in Shaki. Mm. Uh, Sam Dice, as we said, is obviously going to be a while. You've got Tim English who can help out where he can, but his priorities lay elsewhere in terms of um, trying to reclaim that number one ruck spot. So there's a bit of work to do on that, that forward line, unfortunately. Um, it's amazing how the absence of just one player can cause a real domino effect mm. throughout the side. We'll be back after a quick break. <laughs> Let's do the let's do the six game the first six games here, okay? And I've got you down for maybe one or two losses because I go for the Tigers. So I'm thinking, but look, round one you play Melbourne, and I personally think it's the best time because after losing a grand final, you want motivation, don't you? Because you know you're gutted and, and it's hard to find. Oh, we're gonna fight again. You play, you get a chance for revenge round one, which I love personally. You got the D's first. You got Carlton, Sydney, Richmond, North, and Adelaide. You know, you could probably say realistically, you can win all of them, but you might face one or two losses. How many have you got down there for the for the doggies first six, you boys? What's the number? Oddly enough, we lost to three of those teams at stages last year. So we lost to mm. Melbourne twice, uh, we lost to Richmond, and we lost to Sydney. Uh, so a couple of and and I think we were trailing to Carlson at three quarter time as well. So a couple mm. of bogey oh, sides. That's right, and you came <laughs> storming back. That's yeah, right. Yeah, a couple of bogey sides in that, and there's some. Some real intrigue over a lot of those teams, actually, this, this year. Um, Carlton and North Melbourne in particular come to mind for me in term, terms of where they improve. Oh, come on. You got them sorted. That's fine. Don't I, worry. <laughs> I'd, I'd be disappointed if um, if we won fewer than four. Um, yeah. Melbourne will obviously be favourites, although we did beat them at the MCG last year. Mm. Um, 
and you probably anticipate that there may be one slip up there. It's very, very rare to teams go to six nil. I know we did last year, but to do it twice in a row would be would be quite a feat. Uh, I'll I'll say four. I'll say four will be um, a reasonable reasonable target. Nico's going six yeah. out of six. I'll, I'll match I'll match Matt there for the four, but oh, I'm okay. disappointed. No, no, you're right. I'm disappointed if it will be less than five. It's not that yep. I wouldn't accept four though, but I'd be saying in terms of what we expect from us, mm. it should be five. Yep. You know, five wins in the first six rounds minimum. And even though some of those other sides will be looking to improve, you know, Carlton and even Sydney, of course, they're a very, very interesting side that we can sort of throw a bit of a blanket around that. We're not too sure where they'll fall in that top eight. We still expect them to push, but, you know, we've had some good battles with them over the past few years, but yeah, they got the little uh, slip up on us last year with uh, some very, very unique tactics. And it's going to be some different challenges that we're going to have to probably take over there, but no, mm. five should be five wins. I'll be, I say quite annoyed if it's anything less. Yeah, for sure. No, as you should be. Hey, are you worried about that trend of, you know, teams losing a grand final? We saw with the Crows and GWS and that sort of thing. I mean, if Nick shaking his head violently there, if there's one man who can get, who can make it irrelevant, I think it's Luke Beveridge. He's a good man motivator. And you've got the D's round one. Does it worry you at all? Nick says no straight away. I say yes. I've you, you it worries you. Yeah. I brought this up numerous times with Nick. You go <laughs> Port Adelaide in two thousand and seven. Yep. Uh, St Kilda in, in two thousand and ten. Uh, Sydney in two thousand and fourteen. West Coast in two thousand and fifteen. Adelaide in two thousand and seventeen. The Giants yep. in two thousand and nineteen. All those sides either failed to win a final or failed to even make the finals in mm-hmm. that year. So it does concern me. Having said that, though, none of those sides were in front halfway during the third term. There. That's and true. And so, none of those teams have a Bonson Pally. That's the thing. Well, that's that's, that's the other thing. Focus on that, I think, too. So when you when you walk away from, or when you look at the just the raw numbers of a of a defeat of seventy four points in a grand final, it, it didn't feel like that. It wasn't. Mm. It wasn't yeah, like no, the Bulldogs froze no. and and Melbourne got the jump on them in the first ten minutes of the game mm. over a quarter time, like it was for all of those aforementioned games. This one was very different. So that's why I've, there's a it's sort of there's a bit of a five to ten percent. Maybe not um, that I'm sort of feeling with uh, with a hangover. Yeah, no, there's, there's something there that it's it's not like any of those other examples. So there's a little bit of wiggle room for perhaps avoiding that. And as you say, Luke Beveridge is is a master of of uh, geeing players up for really big games and and really important moments within a group, not just within a season, but within a group. Yeah, Nico, tell tell the doggies fans why there's nothing to worry about. Come on, I think it's probably you can just look more at with the particular leadership group that was unveiled, what was it like last month or so? I mean, mm. Cray, Daniel, Bontempelli, and those types of names right there. Duray. Mm. And it's a very collective group of players that you know that they're all level-headed, they're pretty stable. Everyone knows what their, what their roles are. Of course, Aaron Norton, too, in the front half there are being added to the group for the first time. It's, it's a very impressive group of individuals, but I said they all gel together and everyone seems mm. to have that respect for them. So... I think having such leaders across the ground bodes well for everyone within the playing list and, you know, all, all through down to, you know, player 44 or however many it is on the list at this point in time of the season. Hmm. With with that, you know, Bonds and McRae, you look for the talent throughout the back end of the list and the support cast that comes through. It's too good to not, you know, the team is still, you know, even though it's they talk about average ages and, you know, demographics and such, you know, still about 25 and it's probably jumped up maybe now more to the mid tier in that 
in those categories there, maybe, I don't know, sixth to 10th to in that range for, for average age and games played. But the bulk of your best side is still very much with its prime years to come in comparison to some of those other teams. Sydney, which was on its supposed tapering off, Port Adelaide likewise there. St Kilda was, you know, had run its race well and truly at that point in time. So I think we can still look forward in, in those elements and say, you know, the best is still there. Mm. You know, still have a lot of pieces to work with. Yeah, especially That's the mid- holding on. Yeah, definitely, especially the midfield. And I mean, like if, if Adam Trelaw goes uninjured, injury free, as does Josh Dunkley. I mean, Trelaw missed nine games last season, and and Dunkley. I mean, there's a reason why Essendon wanted to to grab him. If they can stay injury free, it's a dominant midfield as well. It's even greater. Cody Waitman is can can improve even more. You've mentioned all the all the guys there, but. In terms of weaknesses, is it is it that back line? I mean, could you see Cordy and Keith as the the stable, you know, backman that's going to lead you to a, a premiership? Is there worries about defence? Because I think that's the, I mean, other than the ruck situation, I think the defence is is the biggest worry. The, the great debate last year was Cordy v Young v Gardner. Who was set to take that that centre half back spot? Yeah. It started out for me with Lewis Young, and as it became obvious that he just wasn't going to be picked, uh, and then went to Gardner. So I think Garner played in nine games last year. I think it might have been nine games. The only one, uh, he won eight of them. The only one that they lost was the Geelong one, which was via a kick after the siren. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that Ryan Gardner is the key to winning a flag, but I think he's a very good, very underrated defender. Yeah. Um, And I think he fits the sort of defender that that Luke Beveridge is after at centre-half back. Someone who sort of floats across and and helps out rather than being that big-bodied, um, stopper, which is sort of what Keith has become. I think the weakness in, in the Bulldogs backline was the role of an interceptor rather than as a okay. lockdown key position player. Yep. All the best sides had a quality interceptor. Melbourne had two. They had Lever and May. Port Adelaide had Aaliyah. Geelong had Tom Stewart. And they were the they were the remaining three of the top four. And the Bulldogs had Easton Wood, but he was not the interceptor that he once was. We weren't looking at a 2015 Eastern Wood anymore. Mm. I think that's why the acquisition of O'Brien will make a big difference this year. It's Obviously, not even just that, too. Hayden Crows has just fallen off the face of the earth with his form, too. So that's that's, well. that's another major problem. O'Brien a lot of played a lot as a forward at Hawthorne, but was chucked down in the back line for the last part of, of last year and showed some really good signs. I don't have the exact numbers, but excelled as an intercepting role. I think Nick I've got some numbers right here. Of course, here. Nick Has-Lin. does. I yeah. knew he would. I knew Nick had numbers. Well and truly prepared. But so. that's, that, and with Eason Wood going, Tim O'Brien pretty much goes straight in. Now, whether he plays round one um, is up for debate because he's got some injury concerns, but that's mm. why he's there. Yeah. He's there to fill that intercepting role that the Bulldogs haven't had. And I think that's the greater need rather than your big bodied lockdown centre-half back. Yeah. So here we go. Some of those numbers, uh, again, as that intercepting third tall. So in the final five games of the season for Hawthorne, O'Brien took 39 of his overall marks in those respective matches, so averaging 7.8 a game. He also had a career high. You're going to love this, Matt, here. A career high 14 intercept possessions, which came against the Bulldogs in round 22. So it was a career best game, according to champion data, I think. But uh, So 23 intercept marks Mm. in his 19 games. 16 of those, though, came between round 18 and 22, which included multiple contested mark matches in in nine of his games, including three contested marks on four separate occasions. So it shows that, you know, he's not just a floater or such or someone that yeah. needs defensive protection that allows him to just fly across the face of 
you know, off a pack. It actually says he can hold his own in one-on-one or, you know, in, in pack situations, which says that he's a, a pretty good judge of the ball in the air, which is exactly what Easton Wood was. Yeah. Obviously got no idea how much athleticism O'Brien has in comparison to what Wood used to be, but he makes up for it then with having an extra 10 or 11 centimetres, which, you know, suggests there's a lot more reach on potentially being able to, say, spoil the ball or, of course, you know, intercept Marketable. the ball. Yeah, exactly, mark the ball, which is exactly <laughs> what would be nice. Do that instead. I, I thought, you know, I thought that Crozier could have been that intercept uh, play that you needed. I mean, he did. he's had his purple patches. He's got a great leap. He's a perfect mark. He reads the ball well. He can rebound from uh, halfback flank. I hope he has a good season. And I felt that he could have been that player to intercept. Nick sounds very disappointed with his form at the moment. His season was so strange. Yeah, it was such an unusual year. So from when he arrived at Fremantle, uh, he was first choice. Like he or he would If he was fit, you would, you would pick him. And mm. his 2019 season in particular was outstanding. I think even Beveridge suggests he, he might have been unlucky to miss out in the AA squad. Not the side necessarily, but the squad. Mm. Uh, but he had an injury in the preseason. He injured his AC joint. Yeah. Then he came back. I think he played two or three games, and then he was managed out of the side um, for a game against Port Adelaide, only to be named as the medical sub in that match. And then he had to come on at quarter time. So what was going on there? I'm not quite sure. That was Faston Wood who pinned the hamstring, didn't yeah, he? In that match? Yeah, yeah, that was that game. Then he had a, an injury to his leg, and then I think on the eve of the finals he had a concussion. By the time the grand final rolled around, he was fit to play, but he'd just been so out of form and and had suffered that many injuries that he was just nowhere near. Um, the best 22. So I'm, I'm not sure what happened. And as I said earlier, it's not, it's not a backline that he can just walk straight into again. He's mm. going to have to, he's going to have to uh, earn his stripes or earn his hoops. Mm. Let's get some predictions for this year. Okay. Now, look, it's, it's hard because, you know, the doggies haven't finished top four since 2010 or top two since 1998. So it doesn't matter if you finish top four, really, you can, you know, you can roll into the finals and he nearly did it last year, but uh, Lee Montagna was very critical, actually, in in, uh, in some predictions. And he said that, you know, the Bulldogs are a bit streaky. I reckon they can drop off, uh, you know, they five and five at the end of the year. I think they're, they're not going to finish top four. What do you guys reckon? What do you think? What's the prediction? Where do the Doggies finish? I think it's a bit strange, isn't it? You know, saying five and five to finish here. Well, before those three games, it was five and two, wasn't it? And no one says a, no one says a word or bats an eyelid about that there too. So it's, it's a bit different. And I would take a bit of offence for that. But... Now, as you mentioned before, James, you know, was it 19 rounds in the top two? Yeah. The team's good enough to do it. They've shown mm-hmm. what they can do. And at least in the first 10 rounds of the year, they and Melbourne definitely undisputed best sides. And, you know, sure, even when they tape it off, um, but they were still, you know, seen as a, as a genuine threat. And they showed what they could do when it mattered, you know, throughout the September campaigns, which says, you know, you've, you've got to be a pretty good side to be able to even roll the punches amongst the big boys. But uh, to do it in such... Uh, how would I say, not enthusiasm, but the, the way that they did it, the manner that they did it and how they displayed it says, you know, still watch out for them. So I'll be disappointed if there's nothing less than, again, two finals win. And that that means um, at least getting into another prelim. Straight yep. So would, would you predict in the t- finish top four then? I still have no, we'll see if that happens, but um, I'd like to at least think they could, you know, at least play in a qualifying final. Whether they host it's another question. The skill set and the calibre of the playing list says it should be able to host a home final. Yeah. Whether it does is another question. But again, the minimum is top four and you play straight through to the program. Because I'd be expecting to win that qualifying final regardless whether it's one, two, or three, or four. 
Yep. I've not heard those, Lee Montagna comments, but they do surprise me a bit. They were, they were written, actually. Written, they were written, okay. Well, I've not, yeah. not read them either. Yeah. I, all I say is that we got the, the grand final that, as fans, we deserved last year. And by that, I, I mean that we, when we get a grand final, we deserve it. It means we've got two best teams going around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they, I, I don't think anyone can, we may have finished fifth, but I don't think anyone can disagree. We had the two best teams last year in the grand final. Mm-hmm. I'd ha- I'd have to say top four would be a reasonable expectation given we yep. spent all but the last five minutes of the home and away season in there. It still hurts, Nick. Look at him. <laughs> we missed out by, what did we miss out by a half a percent? So it, hmm. we missed, yeah, I think it was yeah. 0.5% and yeah. it's, uh, there was a. It, it couldn't was, happen to anyone but us. Like, oh, I was <laughs> so flipping what was happening in that. I'm thinking, there he goes. It's, and you were probably thinking, oh, out in the first week of finals. I'm thinking, what on earth have we done? We've just shot mm-hmm. our premiership hopes in the foot. It got me got me thinking of a time, just, just briefly, 1955, mm-hmm. the year after we won the flag, when it was only a final four and we missed out on the top four by 0.6%, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. so, we won 12 games that year too. Yeah. We still missed 12 out of 18. Uh, we still no, missed you, you'd have to say top four would be mm-hmm. would have to be a pass mark. As I was saying earlier with Norton, you want to improve on last year, an improvement would be top four. Um, and given we spent the vast majority of the season there, I don't think it's an unrealistic expectation that we aim for that and that we achieve that this year. Yep, brilliant. So the two boys have already uh, booked their premiership tattoos. They know it's coming. There is a big chance. There'll there'll be many things being booked, I'll tell you that. There's (laughs) lots of room for memorabilia still here in my residence, so I would like to get some of that. There's always room for another premiership poster. Brilliant, no, definitely. No matter, no matter how full the wall is, there's always room for exactly, another one. Yeah. We're, we're, not, we're not fans or even hopeful, uh, even with the club. You know, one is not enough. This this list should be able to not only snare a second flag, and it has the capacity to win a third flag with this mm-hmm. core group. I'm, I'm still confident, Matt. Matt's still shaking his head, <laughs> him, right? But it should still at least, at the minimum, be able to snare another flag with this current group. Yeah. And so I just got two in a hundred years. Nicole, yeah. Just, just and with, this is the <laughs> best list assembled we've ever had. Yeah, I agree. I'm supported with I anything agree. less than that. Seriously. You know, we were Definitely. only, you know, 45 minutes away from rehabbing two of those there. And I'll be saying, yep, add another two more to it within the next five years. Bang. I love it. Hey, we're going to yeah. get 10 quick questions here. So we'll get one one answer from from each of you. Okay. We'll go back. We'll go Matt first and then we'll go Nick. Okay. Here we yeah. go. Uh, who wins the Bulldogs' best and fairest? Oh, it's got to be boring here. It's got to be the Bond. It has to be the Bond. It's got to be the Bond. Um, yep. If I'm going to go for, if I'm going to be a little left field, I've got to say Jackson McRae's got to win one eventually. He can't just keep finishing second. But no, you can't. You can't get past. The can't get past the Bond. Yeah, Nico. Same for you. Yeah, I'm just hopeful to see McRae get some sort of individual accolade. It's yeah, never going to happen. Certainly. You know, is the best number two in the comp. You know, in terms of like Batman and Robin. So it's. Mm. He's just, he's just unlucky that he's just, uh, you know, playing his career with uh, the Bond in terms of those things. But you know, they're, they're not going to be fast either side. It's, yep. it's fitting very much. Uh, who wins the goal kicking? Again, I'm going to be boring. I think Aaron Norton's going to be, uh, yeah, with no Josh Bruce, I think it's Aaron Norton's to lose. With how many? 56. I like that guess. 56. Oh, let's just put it on there right let's now. Put 56. Yeah, well, he's, they're going to go to win more, so I'd say there's more opportunities. Let's say let's say 60. Oh, I like let's, that. Let's, let's go a bit bold. Let's go 60. Yeah, 60. Okay. I'm not going to go... I'll go for that bold too, but I'm thinking, for me, it's probably more who finishes second to him, more yeah. so than uh, then Norton winning it. I would genuinely love to see... And even, even though Shaki played you know, down back and floating mm. all around, I would love to see him be that second target 
He's okay. probably not built for it still, mm -hmm. but he's good enough to do so, you know. And if he can kick 30 odd, and he can do it, if he just if he has those opportunities, he'll take most of them, you know, he'll nail, you know, I think, what is it, at least 75 or so percent of them, which puts him at least in range for 30 plus. Love it. If, if you had to replace Luke Beveridge with one other current AFL coach, who would it be? That's a very good question. I like it. That is a good question. Going to be a coach. I mean, right. they've, 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 half the league have changed coaches. Yeah, that's it. I'm trying to work out who's still, still in the business at this point. Got a few good options there. You get Tim Hardwick. You could. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to say. I probably have to say Hardwick. Hardwick. Um, he's sort of one of those wines that you you love if he's on your side, but mm. you just you just can't stand when you're against <laughs> him. Uh, you're looking it. at a, you're yeah. looking at a three-time premiership coach. One yep. one as a player. Um, he tells it like it is. He's a real, he's a real hardened sort of figure, mm -hmm. um, but goes into fight for the players. Yeah, ex um, well, exactly so right. You know, I'm biased, but that's the, my favourite thing about Hardwick. Yeah. Is he'll he'll go into battle for, for his players every time. He's he's exactly like Beveridge, but probably a little less subtle <laughs> in, his, <laughs> in his approach. Uh, Dim is yeah. a bit more gung ho, but yeah. I think yeah, you've got you've got to, I, I don't think how you can you can overlook him to be honest. Well, Nick might. I've got. The original mastermind of Beveridge and Clarkson, so I've decided to jump onto Chris Fagan. Fagan, yeah, that we had another one. Uh, a few, a few people nominated Fagan. Yeah, yeah, you want Fagan? Yep. All right. Good choice. I think Dim is. Got to win a home final first. Exactly. <laughs> See, you have All to. you need to do is finish half a percent clear, and that's it. You get a home final that way. <laughs> If, if something unforeseen happened to the grounds in Victoria, let's say we couldn't play in the state, what, what ground would you choose outside of Victoria to be the Bulldogs' home ground? I'll be going Adelaide Oval. Yeah, Adelaide Oval. Yep. We've had some very good wins there in, in recent years. Yes. Um, obviously, we've been put twice there this year. Yeah. We beat them there. This year? We've already... Oh, we've already last, 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 last year, last year sorry. Good start, <laughs> 2-0 already. We, uh, we've had a couple of wins over there when we played in 2020 and beat them in the pouring rain in 2019. We've got a pretty good recent record over there, so mm -hmm. that's got to be the one. Yeah. I was just going for the views. That's all I'm focused on, but now the venues, it probably ideally suits a lot of our um, you know, style of playing this transition. So, I know we can yeah. move the ball quick there. It still works well, and I don't know, probably the width of the ground probably allows our mids a bit more opportunity to you know, to enable a handball game, I think, too, which is pretty similar to what Marvel is. Yeah. Adelaide Oval, I like it. Uh, which team do you hate the most? I've, I've How many very, can we list off? Very, <laughs> Just the one. I've been very consistent. I hate them all equally. Yeah. Um, uh, there's nothing like I, I think in terms of the... I guess it changes. Um, Melbourne is the flavour of the month at the moment. Not, yeah. not big fans of them. But I have to say, there's nothing like beating the new enemy. The Giants. The Giants. I think, I think that's, I think that's, uh, that's the one that you sort of you, you circle. That's the one at the start of the year when the fixture comes out. You're looking. You have for, a look at that one. You're looking for that one. Yeah. If nice. you win one game all year, that's got to be the one. Nico. Okay. Well, the, the the three worst moments of 2021 were, of course, the uh, you know the final quarter and a bit of the grand final. Josh Bruce going down, mm -hmm. and of all things, it had to be Gary Rowan that kicked the winning goal against us when we played Geelong. So it's got to be Geelong. Okay, Geelong. I just want to, We've beaten them what twice in the past decade and a half. I'd like to just actually nail them for once yeah, on Geelong. a proper basis. Over there so, would be nice. Over as well. there, just just to beat them. 
<laughs> I, can't, I can't keep living off what happened in 2018 or one game in 2019. Before that, it was 2009. So, yeah, a bit more than two wins in a decade would be nice. Mm-hmm. This, will, this, this will really grind next year. If it's Don't. not Gary Rowan, it's Darcy Fort. And if it's not Darcy Fort, Nick, it's Nathan Vardy. <laughs> the games, <laughs> games of their lives. We can add, I, can, I can add so many other players, even from <laughs> the early 2000s, but I'm not going to because it's just going to destroy me in half. <laughs> yeah, I think well, this won't destroy you because this will be. This is a good question here, and it'll be a good moment if it happened. But let's just pretend that Aaron Norton's not playing. Who do you choose to kick a goal after the siren to win the game? Oh, thank God, God it's not Aaron Norton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless, it's, unless it's to win a bet, mate. That's how it was last year. Was it? There you can put the pressure on. Uh, kick a goal after the siren. Who would I trust? Um, uh, let's have a look. Well, if Tory Dixon was playing, but not anymore, so no. uh, who's got the most uncomplicated technique? Well, when the game is online and a goal is absolutely needed, you, you cannot go past the bond. I know I his record is not great, but if you, if, you, clutch if, there moments, a, if there was a statistic of ranking players' conversion rates in clutch moments, bonds would be number one. If we're just looking at a general um, sort of... Uh, you know, just a general sort of time during the game, which I know it's not. Mm. Um, you probably got it. Probably Shaki would be a good contender. Him or him or Bailey Dale. I suggest would be a good one. But I'll stick. I'll I've stick got, with. I've got two others. I've got two others, Stu. Mm. I'll probably be uh, jumping on board with. We'll go Caleb Daniel or Tom Libertore. I'll be backing their set shots. Oh, all right, nice. All right, good choices. Yeah, I love like that. A midfielder and a half back. That's who's going to kick our winning goal. <laughs> yeah, that'll there be up for some reason. Uh, what's your go-to food at the footy? Definitely not um, the, whatever they're cooking up these days. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's, uh, I, I normally, I keep it pretty simple. I really struggle to eat at the footy. I get really nervous when I'm there, so I struggle, oh, to, really? eat, struggle to drink. Yeah, because I just you get nervous anywhere, mate. Oh, but particularly the footy. <laughs> You've seen me at any sporting event, Nick. I'm shocking. Like I mean, you, I you love were, that. we were we were out last night or the other night rather watching the watching the soccer and Nick was trying to ask me questions but I just had to keep asking him to repeat them because I was too yeah, busy watching the game. Your team's three 0 up and you're just yeah. wondering. What's I happen. love that you get involved in the in, in the game. Wonderful. That's no, brilliant. Just, just keep it simple with a box of chips. Box of chips. Yeah, box of chips. Nico, chips with more chips with more chips. Yep, chips. Very good. Uh, if you could look exactly like one player in the team, who do you choose? Go Bailey Smith, surely is it? Is he the pin-up boy? Does you like his uh, look? I'll take I'll take his six-pack. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know who I reckon is, is underrated in terms of how, how sharp they look? Who's that? Anthony Scott. Anthony Scott? Anthony Scott. Yeah, he's, he, he's, he's quite guy. a sharp-looking fella. Mm. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't All right, Anthony Scott. Good choice. Nico, who'd you go? Just trying to suss the play or something. You've got a bit of Libertore about you. Do I now? Well, there you go. Let's just stick with that. I'll take your word for it. All right. (laughs) Yeah, what the heck? Why not? Let's go. All right. right, Last one. You've got to think about this, right? If you had to pick a song, you know how Port Adelaide do never tear us apart. If you had to pick a song for the doggies before the game, what would you pick? I'm just going to go pretty generic and simple because I can't think of anything else at this point. What, who, who let, let the, the dogs, dogs out? Just why not? Who just go for it? Who just go for it? Why not? <laughs> if not, they can play. Standing up there with your scarves and who let the dogs out? I could do that. Let's just, if not, we could use the uh, the Salty World theme song as, as a backup cover, perhaps. It works with tunes on there. All right, so Nick has gone with who let the dogs out. What are you going to go I with? I couldn't think of anything else, actually. Oh, yeah. Um... 
one of my one of my one of my favorite songs. Only, no, I wouldn't say recently discovered, but recently truly fallen in love with. Mm. Is Thunderstruck by ACDC. Yeah. I mean, the, the little guitar riffs I've got going That's, before the game. I mean, that that over Sweet Caroline at three-quarter time every yes. day of the week. They so played if, that if at, you were in the car yeah. on a Saturday night, Matt, on the way to Crown, you would have heard that, mate. You would have heard that there being <laughs> no. played all time. At Juventus Stadium, they play Thunderstruck before the boys come out. It's it's awesome. I reckon that's a great it's, choice, Matty. Nah, yeah, it's, it's like the that. best one. Get the get that guitar riff going before the game. Nothing Brilliant. Hey, boys, it's been a lot of fun. I could talk to you guys all day about footy, but we will speak throughout the year. We'll be very regular in, in getting you guys on and getting your thoughts. We really appreciate you taking the time. Tell everyone where they can go and uh, check out all your content. So if you want to listen to the Salty Bulldog podcast, episodes are up and running again for 2022. You'll be able to find them wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Sportsmate Free Live app. Uh, you'll be able to find it there as well, which, uh, which we're really excited to be teaming up with you guys. We've also got our social media pages as well, where you'll be able to keep up with the latest Western Bulldog news and Salty Bulldog articles on Twitter at the Salty Bulldog, on Instagram the.salty.bulldog, and also on our Facebook page too. Brilliantly done, Maddie and Nico from the Salty Bulldog podcast. Thanks for joining me today, lads, and we will talk again soon.